Christchurch, New Malden, 27th of September 2020. Stephen Kurt speaking on A Fresh Take on Heaven. One of the trickiest things that we ever have to do in life is to unlearn things. Learning is hard enough, isn't it? Learning, for instance, a foreign language, learning to drive, or learning to master a new job. But that learning process is ten times harder when it involves us having to unlearn something as well. So an obvious example of this is when people go on holiday to France and they have to get used to driving on the right-hand side of the road. Burned into the consciousness of anyone who's driven in Britain is the norm that you drive on the left-hand side of the road. And that's an assumption that for the duration of their holiday, people have to unlearn pretty quickly if they're going to stay safe. And something similar can be needed in regard to our Christian faith. With learning about the God revealed in Jesus Christ sometimes requiring a similar process of unlearning. It can involve us having to unlearn things that we've been explicitly taught. But more often, it's about unlearning assumptions that we've just picked up. It's quite common, for instance, to grow up with a rather harsh view of God and his attitude towards us. A view that then needs to be unlearned if we're going to recognise how much God loves us and if we're going to flourish in the way he intends us to. And this Sunday, I suggest, is probably going to be one of those times when our learning probably does need to be accompanied by a bit of unlearning. And that's because the subject that we're taking a fresh look at today is heaven. And before we think about what the Bible has to say about heaven, there's a widespread assumption that we need to recognise. And that assumption, which I hope we're going to be able to unlearn this morning, is that the Christian hope is all about going to heaven when we die. You see, ask most people, Christian or non-Christian, what they believe the Christian hope for the future is, and what they'll answer is that it's about leaving earth when we die to go to another place called heaven, where we can be with God forever. It's the standard understanding which many people pass on to their children, assuming it's what the Bible and Christianity teaches. But it's a perspective that's actually rather problematic. When the Russians first put a man into space in the 1960s, their president, Nikita Khrushchev, then announced to the world that they disproved God. Why? Because they'd been up to space and not found him there. And while we might laugh at that comment, it does have a certain amount of logic. Because if heaven is a place, it would in theory be possible for us to travel there. But an even bigger problem with this understanding of the future hope was expressed by the founder of communism, Karl Marx, when he described all religions, including Christianity, as the opiate of the people. A large part of Marx's reason for saying this was his conviction that encouraging people to put their hope in heaven was just another way of persuading poorer people to put up with the exploitation they experienced on earth, because they then had something other than justice on earth to hope for. And it was this same perception of the Christian hope that led John Lennon to write the song Imagine, which called on people to forget the whole idea of heaven. To John Lennon, just as much as Karl Marx, any talk of heaven was thoroughly unhelpful. So how should we respond as Christians to all of this? Well, this is where the unlearning bit comes in. Because the truth is that the Christian hope, according to the Bible, is not going to heaven when you die. 
That statement includes an element of truth, but as an understanding of the Christian hope, it's not nearly as precise as A, the Bible presents it, and B, as it needs to be, if Christians are going to really understand how God wants us to live in the light of the Christian hope. Well, more on the Christian hope and what it actually is in a moment. First, it's good to be clear on how the Bible does present heaven, because this is something that can and does get lost in all the confusion, resulting in the loss of the importance of heaven and its relevance to our present lives. Rather than being a faraway place, the Bible instead presents heaven as the spiritual and normally unseen dimension of present reality. Earth, according to the Bible, is that dimension of present reality that we most obviously experience in our everyday life with our five senses. And heaven is that dimension normally hidden from us in which God and the spiritual realities are most obviously present. Now, just occasionally in the Bible, we get the veil drawn back to reveal these heavenly realities to people on earth. And we had such a passage read to us earlier, that one where God opens the eyes of Elisha's servant, so the servant could see all the heavenly armies standing alongside them against their enemies. That servant was terrified at the earthly scene in front of him, and so Elisha prayed that God would open the servant's eyes so that he could see the heavenly reality that had been there all the time and was surrounding them. We get other examples of this in the Bible. Isaiah's vision of God in the temple when he was called to be a prophet. The book of Revelation at the end of the Bible. And when Stephen is about to be killed in that passage from Acts chapter 7 and declares, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God, he didn't mean that he had somehow looked up and seen a trapdoor open in the sky, but that he was seeing the spiritual realities that were surrounding him all the time, and particularly at that desperate moment. These realities are so indescribable that the biblical writers can only speak about them with symbolic language. And it's language that's intended to be understood metaphorically rather than literally. Now, to understand the predicament of the biblical writers in this respect, imagine if you had to describe the colour yellow to someone who was blind and had never been able to see in their lives. How would you go about it? You might go about it by describing yellow as rather like a hard or sharp object. Or you might uh, decide to describe it as a bit like a loud, high-pitched noise. Or perhaps like the sudden burst of warmth that the person might feel when the sun appears from behind clouds. None of these images are particularly adequate to convey the colour yellow to someone who's never seen it, are they? But if enough of these images are used in combination, they can start to convey something of what is essentially indescribable. Heaven is presented in the Bible, in other words, not as a faraway place, not as our final destination, but as the spiritual realities that are surrounding us all the time. Realities which the biblical writers can only really convey with metaphorical language, but images which God nonetheless calls us to engage with so we can look for and acknowledge the heavenly realities surrounding us all the time. 
Now, why is any of this important? It's important because the alternative is to see God as essentially distant from the world and uninvolved with it. Back in the 18th century, when science and all sorts of exciting new learning were emerging and changing the world, this was accompanied by what became known as a deist understanding of God. Understanding of a God who might have made the world, but then, rather like a watchmaker, had then left it, more or less, to tick along by itself. Things like politics and economics and art, which had always previously had God enmeshed within them, were seen as cleaner and better without him. And God matters were combined to a separate box called religion for those particularly interested in such things. And after all the religious wars that there have been in the centuries before, you can see what the deists were thinking and why they were so optimistic about what it would lead to. But by the 20th century, with things like the world wars and the Holocaust, the results of this secularism were revealed as pretty ugly, with people starting to realise that kicking God upstairs wasn't such a good idea after all. The God of the Bible is very different from that of a deist perspective. He may be largely unseen, but he's present and he's active all of the time, and a biblical understanding of heaven is part of what helps us to recognise and acknowledge this. And it helps us as well in our everyday lives. The challenge of the Christian faith isn't to believe in a God who might occasionally intervene in this world, but is essentially absent and mainly irrelevant. It's fairly obviously the challenge to a daily relationship of trust with a God who's there all of the time and who wants to be involved in every single aspect of our lives. Most of us, I think, know this. But getting our understanding of heaven right as God's dimension of present reality is a way of keeping this approach to Christian faith lodged within our psyche and then practised more regularly and consistently. A proper and biblical understanding of heaven, in short, is what keeps us as Christians rather than sliding into being de facto deists. And where the connection between all of this and our future hope comes in is in the Bible's presentation of heaven and earth being one day in the future fully and finally joined together in the perfect renewal of God's creation. The Christian hope is not, in other words, a vision of Christians being whisked away in some sort of rapture to a distant, faraway place. It's a vision of God coming here to live amongst us in the new creation of the new heavens and the new earth. That's what that passage in Revelation 21 that we heard earlier is speaking of. And it's the hope promised to all those who place their faith in Jesus Christ. Now the Bible does affirm that when believers die, we go to be with Jesus. And since Jesus, the ascended Jesus, is in heaven, saying that when Christians die, they go to heaven, can perhaps be justified. Although it's significant that the Bible doesn't put it that way. And the reason it doesn't put it that way and the reason it doesn't tell us much about what that experience will be like is because the Bible's major focus is upon the final chapter rather than the penultimate one. The chapter that's sometimes uh, called life after, life after death. And according to the Bible, that final chapter will be when earth, the earth we now live in, is completely renewed and made into the place God always made it to be by being fully and finally joined 
to the similarly renewed spiritual dimension of present reality that we call heaven. And that's the picture of hope that the Bible holds out to all those who follow Jesus. So a biblical understanding of heaven is important for at least two reasons. First, because it makes God far more relevant to the here and now and protects us against unwittingly buying into a secular agenda. And second, because it clarifies that the Christian hope is about the renewal and restoration of this world rather than its abolition. Tom Wright, who many of you will know, has strongly influenced my understanding of all of this, summed it up once by saying, Heaven's important, but it's not the end of the world. I'm not much into football, to be honest, but one incident in football that has fascinated me was in 1974, when a famous spat took place on Yorkshire television between Brian Clough and Don Revy. Don Revy had been the manager of the highly successful Leeds United Football Club, and one of the most outspoken critics of the rather ruthless and machine style with which Leeds played was Brian Clough, who was manager of Derby County. When Revy became England manager, he was succeeded at Leeds United by Clough, who was then sacked after just 44 days in the job. And the night that Brian Clough was sacked, he appeared on Yorkshire television alongside Don Revy. Revy criticised Clough's attitude and approach and in defending himself, Clough at one point said, I'm different from Don. I do believe in fairies. At the time, many found Clough's comment bizarre and just put it down to him being eccentric or playful. But the point, however unclearly Brian Clough was making it or even understood it, was that an unseen spiritual dimension exists behind every aspect of life and fail to recognise this is to fall into the ruthless, machine-like approach to life, including that taken to the beautiful game. A biblical understanding of heaven is a much clearer articulation of this. Rather than believing in fairies at the bottom of the garden, a Christian understanding of heaven is speaking of the spiritual powers normally unseen that surround us all of the time and very much influence our present existence. There are the powers of evil, what the New Testament calls the principalities and powers in the heavenly realms, but also the angelic powers that belong to God. And the Christian faith is about acting and thinking and praying in the faith that this heavenly reality surrounding us exists. It affects our decision-making, it affects our imagination and our vision, and it then massively affects our courage and our behaviour to live differently in a secular world. And that, I suggest, is why we all need a fresh take on heaven. <laughs>